Welcome to Unscripted Startups. I'm your host, Cameron Stack, here in the beautiful Silicon Slopes, Utah. This podcast is the place to be to receive actionable insight and advice for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And today I have the pleasure of chatting with Mark Michael. He is the founder and CEO of DevHub a platform to help digital marketers create interactive websites. Thanks, Mark, for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Cameron. This should be fun. I I ran across Mark on LinkedIn, and he was telling me a little bit about his company and the story behind it, and I thought this would be super impactful for you guys who are listening. So tell me a little more about DevHub. I know you mentioned that your company was offered to be acquired four times and you have over 120 key client relationship accounts with some of the big companies in the Valley. But tell me a little more about it. Give me a deep dive on what I should know about DevHub. Thank you. Really good intro. DevHub is a platform that probably most of your listeners have never heard of. And even some of the brands I'll mention have never heard of. DevHub is what's called a white label technology, which means we are the ones powering something else, basically powering a lot of sites and or landing pages for really big brands through their kind of agencies or technology providers. And so been a very crazy, long, winding road, but it's gotten really, 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 really fun in the last two years. That's awesome. What kind of clients are you working with? Some of our customers comp- customers are like VW, UPS, Amco, Full House, Holiday Inn, uh, Hyundai, Dish, to name a few. Okay, that's super interesting. Tell me about the early days of DevHub and your previous business and about some of the struggles you went through with Google and some of the other things. So, like, like a lot of the old adages about life, like showing who your friends are or, you know, there's no silver bullet or whatever, as you start to, like, come up in the world, start to make a lot of sense, right? And one of the things that someone told us is once you become profitable, you can live forever, you know? And I'd always be like, oh, you just need more money. And so a lot of the early struggles was more probably on myself and maybe a little bit on my co-founder. But really the fact that, you know, I personally never really thought that I was probably smart enough in the early years, at least, at least for about eight years there for a while to like do the things that I was trying to get done, whether that was raising money back then or getting customers. Like I always thought I had to have someone else do that and me manage that person. But in doing that, I was actually the one doing getting money or bringing in the customers. But I always had someone else trying to push them kind of in front of me to do it. And one of the mistakes we just not believing in myself that I was the one that was the best at it. And, and now I obviously am totally confident that I'm basically the best at it, period. Yeah, I think that's super important because it doesn't matter if you have the best skills in the world. It's all about being persistent and being committed to those goals and milestones that you have set and really achieving them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, I think I I go back and forth. I think goals are kind of nice. I honestly think sometimes they're a little bit of a waste of time. 
Because, like, you know, my goal since I was 17 was to build big of a company as I can build, you know? And I thought I would do that at 17 years old. I thought I was going to do that at 18. I thought I was going to do that at 19. I thought I was going to do that at 20. I thought I was going to do that at 21. I thought I was going to do that at 23. I'm 37. You know, I still haven't done it. But I could get down on myself and think, oh, I didn't hit my goals or whatever. So, like, I'm really weird right now about goals. I, I think the goal should really be, like, are you doing kind of what you like to be doing, you know? in like a more kind of holistic thing versus like a number or a dollar figure or a customer account. I mean, I mean listen, when we first started, I was like, if we can just get one customer, if we can just get two customers, if we can just get 10, now we're at 121. I'm like, if we can just get 150, and now I'm saying like, if we can just get 9,000, you know, like, it's like, and if I said, I want to, you know, this year the goal is to do 100 deals, it looks like we're going to do under that, you know, somewhere between 50 and 100, hopefully, you know, I think goals are kind of weird right now. But. Yeah, especially in this day and age where it's all about the numbers, it's all about how many likes I get, how many, all the vanity metrics don't really yeah. lead to growing a successful company because like, yeah, you can have all these numbers, but they can be padded. What's your thought on that? Yep, totally agree. Something I like to say and think about is as long as you're improving like 1% better each day, it's a good day because you could work 12 hours in one day and make a lot of progress, but then you may never pick up the project again. So it'd be better to do like small baby steps each and every day. And over the long term, it'll be much more progress than saying trying to do it all in one day and then getting burnt out. Yep, totally agree. Tell me a little more about when you went to raise funding and how that went, and then when you... Cool. So, uh, to me, I actually think raising money is actually pretty easy. It's, it's really like, I mean, you need to know how to tell a story. You know, like, sometimes I feel really weird when people follow the rules of, like, you know, 10-slide decks, you know, 10-slide, hi, I'm blank, you know, or here's the problem I'm trying to solve, or, like, that's not, I think those are good, maybe, guidelines, but I just think you should, you need to totally make the story your own, and raising money is generally very easy, I mean, you're, if you raise money from friends and family, even though people always say you should do that, you know, enough, there's enough of an angel investor slash VC community out there that, if you're telling a really good story, if you pitch 100 people, you'll be able to get your money, right? You know, if what happens is most people don't even get that far, right? And if they do, they get rejected five, six, eight, ten, twenty times. They're like, oh, there's no money, you know, for my idea or whatever, and they kind of just give up. There's money. They just give up way too early. They need to get rejected about 100 times or change their story because they suck at telling their story. So once you get the money, are you kind of misleading because you think you're flush with cash and that, again, by the way, this is only my experience, but um, you think you're flush with cash and that you can do a lot of things and blah, 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 but you you kind of forget that every dollar that goes out is not coming back. So you, if you're raising money, you need to really be thinking, like, what is the business, right? You know, if the business is just to stay in business and acquire more users, then maybe that's okay, you know? But if the business is like something software or something, whatever, it's like, how are you actually going to make money by raising money, you know? Uh-huh. And if the money is just, oh, I'm going to build a product, I'm going to hire salespeople, and salespeople are going to get deals. Like, you and your audience or whoever's listening, like, you're an idiot, you know? Like, that's just not, that's just dumb, you know? Like, you need to be able to have sold it at least once or twice before you try to think you're going to 
scale a sales team once your idea is built. And the idea that if you build something and they won't come is just not true either. I mean, you have to have like a real plan on how you're going to get users, customers, and everything. And again, unfortunately, we learned that all the very hard way, right? Raising money is really easy. It's easier than getting a home loan. And then, you know, it's kind of what you do after that that matters. So we did all the dumb things, right? We raised, you know, just under three million bucks. And, you know, we expanded our office. We hired a lot of people. We just didn't need to be doing that, but we did it anyway. And then, you know, with the money right now, we're like, oh, my God. And that's when the hard work happens, right? Like, even me get caught up, right? Like, if I launch this blog post or I write this video or, or sorry, you know, produce this podcast or whatever it is, like, oh, it's going to go viral. It's going to be huge. Or if we just launch this new page on our website, people are going to see it. It's like... No, no one cares. No one knows you exist. There's 9,000 other companies, people, you know, doing whatever it is you think you're going to be doing. You need to have a real plan on how you're going to get it out there. Anyway, that's that nugget. I think it's important to know these facts and this information. It's better than sugarcoating it other than once you get into the industry. You're like, why didn't I know all this? It's kind of like ripping off a Band-Aid. It hurts like that second, but it's so much better better in the long term. Yep, exactly. So what are you trying to do? So this podcast is really to help motivate entrepreneurs who are committed in building a business but need a little help and guidance on what to do. Because what I've realized, especially here in college, now that entrepreneurship has become so hyped, it's like everyone wants to do it, but it's really not a priority for them. It's like, if something fell into my lap, I'll do that, I guess. But it's not like, they don't want to, like, sacrifice any of their time. They don't want to stop going out to the club in order to build a business. So this podcast community and the other things we're working on is really to help the people who are dedicated but just need a little bit of direction and not the people who just want to seek the glamorous fact about having a business. Yeah, I mean, I always say to people, like, if you're not willing to buy the domain name for $9, then basically wasting everyone's time. I mean, if you're not willing to spend $9 on your idea that you think is the greatest idea in the world, then, like, you honestly have nothing. Yeah. Get the domain name. I tell, I tell people, and if you're that serious and you get the domain name, next phase is getting a Gmail account, right, with that name of your business or your name or whatever, and then signing up for all the social media accounts that are all free, right, for your business, right? or the thing that you're starting. And then if you're really serious after that, you're getting a logo done, either free or yourself or a friend or you're paying somebody to do it, and then you're putting up a one-page website. If you do all of that, you can start telling a story about what it is you're trying to do. Until you do any of that, please don't talk about your idea. You've literally shown zero interest in it yourself that you're not even willing to spend $9 or take an hour out of your day to set that up. And that's what I tell people all the time. I think that's brilliant, and that's why this show is called Unscripted, because we want to show the unscripted and the unsexy side of entrepreneurship, opposed to like all the YouTube ads where it's like, swipe up and I'll show you how to make a thousand bucks overnight. I'm like, that's not going to happen for 99.9% of the people out there. So. It should just, yeah. like, work on actually trying to build something legitimate instead of trying to get rich quick. Yep, you're totally right on that point. 
So I saw that in 2010, you had to let go some of your staff. And I know a lot of people could see that as a failure. What are your thoughts on how to look on the bright side and can bounce back from that? At the end of the day, it's our fault, right? Like, we hired too fast. And, you know, we did, I mean, the reason we did is because, one, we had money in the bank. And then, two, we really thought that, like, if we can build this product extremely quickly and get it to the market, the market will absolutely love it and go nuts over it and we're going to be rich. I mean, literally, that's what we thought, right? So we hired really quickly and we had a very aggressive development schedule for about six to seven months, you know, basically December through July. Launched the product in July, got a lot of press about the product, got a bunch of users on the product, but no way to make money off of it. And so, meanwhile, we spent most of the money the last seven months to get people to get the thing launched. And then, of course, we had no way to make money off of it. Couldn't raise more money on it. In a weird way, the lesson learned is, like, don't put the cart ahead of the horse, you know, or whatever that thing is. It's really shame on me and or shame on us for thinking that was any part of our reality, you know? The problem is we all think, like, Airbnb and Facebook and Instagram and all these things are all overnight kind of successes. Yeah. And not realizing that they're constant little Twitter, all constant, like, iterations, and that the fact that there is no silver bullet until you, like, kind of line up a bunch of things that are sort of working enough end-to-end, where then you have a bullet that can do some damage, you know, in a good way, of course. And so it's like if the strategy is to, like, build something and launch it and everyone's going to use it, you're going to fail. If the strategy is to build something, launch it, and then get press on it, it's going to fail. If your strategy is to build something, launch it, get a little press, and try to do a little bit of email, you're going to fail. It's like, it's probably going to be launch it, you know, get press, email, try to sell it, try to call on it, try to, I mean, every single, try to spend money against it, try, try, I mean, you're going to have to try, 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 hundreds, potentially hundreds of different things, and everyone will slightly improve something, and then you take that kind of, all the little things that improved, put them all together, and you have something then, but, I mean, you know, to build and launch is just psychotic, And, and again, you know, letting people go, shame on us, obviously, we'll never do it again, and I guess the bright side of it all is, like, I think now at 37, when I, even me talking to you, having gone through that experience, I know now if we were to raise money, which we're not, but if we were to raise money or do anything like that, like, I know exactly what that looks like and smells like, so I won't do that. I totally get you on that point. And a lot of people are super afraid of, afraid of failure, that they would rather do nothing than fail. But that's the thing yeah. about failure is if you're failing early and often, then when you do build something bigger and you have more responsibilities, more employees, more people you have to take care of, then you won't make a huge, huge mistake because you've already went through some of these circumstances and it's allowed you to grow from it. Yep, all true. Like your point, there are a lot of people that see, especially in the media world, they see these people as overnight success but it's like seven years, 10 years, 20 years to be an overnight success. I think, I think Dyson Vacuum, 
like he had 900 different models and like different tweaks on different pieces before it went to market or like the light bulb had so many different variations before it actually became a thing. So it's like there is no overnight success. And I think that's a really crucial point that people need to realize now is there's no handouts in life. Bag of money isn't going to fall from the ceiling and just you're going to be made kind of situation. Totally true. That's why I enjoy doing these kind of podcasts because I want it out there on the record that nothing that we did was an overnight success. And I hope why by doing these that no one can ever say that it was and that we've documented the history of our company so ridiculously well that it's like no one can say oh they, they launched an internet company and then sold it for a billion dollars it's like no you know they started at 17 years old i mean they did a bunch of stuff and then you know like it was yeah for sure I, I do like how you documented on your website i don't think most companies would be brave enough to like document everything, including what people could perceive as failures, even though it helped you grow the company. But yeah, Yeah, for sure. So tell me a little bit about what happened after you had to let go people and then how did you grow it to 121 key accounts with big industry leaders? A combination of everything from a, a lot of emailing. I mean, the difference of our world is, you know, we're kind of in the business-to-business world, right? So we're selling to other businesses. So we know who we're selling to, right? It's not like we have a consumer good where we don't know who we're selling it to, you know, or we have like a demographic or, you know, something like that. Like, we know that this is potentially the decision maker at this specific company, and we are extremely good at following up. Okay, we are persistent, you know, as all hell. And every way we can communicate with that person, LinkedIn, email, calling, taking ads out against them, anything to get their attention as often. And, and sometimes people have told us, go away, but not listening enough to like really go away, especially if you know their company and potentially know the problem they should be happy. It's just hardcore persistence. And uh, I mean, at, at the core, and then figuring out a way to, you know, scale that basically. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, you you got to have persistence, you got to have thick skin in this business because like there are so many other people who want it and you have to want it more and be persistent. You what are you guys up to at this moment? How big is your company? And what kind of things are you working on right now? Well, I think we can build a billion-dollar company with under 200 employees. I always tell people that the first 10 pages of business are written, right? Get the license, do this, do that, do this, whatever the first 10 pages are. After that, you're kind of on your own. So us, our story will be totally different than everyone else's. First 10 pages look the same. Right now, we're at 121 key accounts. The goal is to get to 9,000. And we are just constantly reiterating our sales process to, you know, help get to that number faster while also servicing our current customers in a way that keeps them with us for as long as humanly possible. It's like a lot of everything. Like, so right now, we're putting out a ton of content. I mean, I just published today on my own personal Instagram. I mean, our goal is to get to about 100 pieces a day. 
across all 10-ish platforms. We are cold calling. We are emailing. We are sending out newsletters. We are doing Google ads. We are doing Instagram ads. We are doing our presence on all the platforms themselves. We're producing content, video, podcasts, everything. Like, you need to do all of it. You know, there's yeah. no saying, there's no saying, you know what, I don't like Instagram. Or, I, you know, our customers are not on blank. The truth of the matter is, I don't care. Land, take a flight anywhere in the world. Watch what apps people load up, right? They load up their emails. They load up Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn. Your customer is in one of those apps. And yeah. you don't know which one they're in, but you know who they are. And so you got to be where they are. And so when people say, oh, you know, well, my, my, my friends are not on TikTok or my customers are not on TikTok, you don't know that. You really don't. You're just saying that, you know? And so um, they are. I mean, maybe you don't see them at the office on it, but they're on They're on those platforms. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know a lot of people have been talking about TikTok, and they're like, oh, it's only for kids these days. Listen, I, Bob Saget, I don't know if, you, if maybe you're too young to know who Bob Saget is, but Bob Saget's on there. Kylie Jenner is now on there. Obviously, Gary Vee's on there. Obviously, my point is, a bunch of people over the age of 30 are on there now. Yeah. I don't know sure. how old Bob Saget is. I don't know how old, you know, um, a bunch of people are. But I know Bob Saget's oh. got to be way older. Oh, here, Howie Mandel is on there. It's like, to say it's for kids only and you have adults on there too already, it's like, get out of here. Like, the, those people, those people have not even, I can't even, I don't even, even right now I'm speechless, right? I don't oh. even know what to tell them. Like, yeah. It's like, you cannot shun a single platform. We are, I actually totally buy into the idea that we are extremely lucky to be at this moment in time in history that there is only 10 platforms that you need to worry about, right? I, I actually think there's going to be a lot more. I mean, the one that I was looking into yesterday was called Community. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but Community.com. It seems really interesting. I don't know what it is. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now for the record. But if it is what I think it could be, I think it's actually pretty big. Okay. Yeah, I've been playing around with a few of the other smaller platforms out there like Mines and uh, one that's based on like a cryptocurrency exchange for yep. interaction on the platform. And yeah, there are so many platforms out there. And for every one that does succeed, there's also like a hundred other ones that are more niche specific. So, I mean, you could use a smaller platform if you know your community. But, yeah, I feel like every year there's a new platform that's a real big hit. I mean, LinkedIn has doubled their growth in the last, like, two years. And, like, it's just amazing to see how these platforms are going on. So there is no question that there will be another platform. It's just a matter of when. I would. Wrapping up this discussion, I would love to hear some of the insight you have received while building your company and some advice you would give to people that has really helped you on your journey. A couple things that come to mind right away is like, listen, don't doubt how smart you actually are, right? And smart doesn't mean that you don't have to be book smart, but maybe you're persistent. Maybe you follow up you know, really well, or you're organized, or it's like some weird skill that you probably already have, or you don't give any, you know, you don't care that much about, you know, something minor, like, whatever it is, like, you're already good enough to do it, 
to, um, you know, try to get to profitability. But again, that's super, uh, honestly, don't even listen to that right now. Um, and like, just, you know, I always tell people just totally do you. Like, if you're the guy that has crazy hair and big glasses and that's who you really are or whatever, like, totally be that guy. I mean, I'm that guy. That's why I said it. But if you're, uh, like, totally just do you all the time and just don't worry. I always tell people, high school's over. Now you can do anything you want now. Literally, it does not matter. I took tap dancing lessons. I took, I just do, now I'm learning to play the piano, you know? Like, I didn't want to play an instrument in high school because it wasn't cool. Like, shame on me, you know? Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, as soon as you realize what you're doing, like, because a lot of times we do stuff because we think it's cool, or we think we're impressing someone, but it really doesn't make us happy at all. And once you f- can figure that out and actually do things that make you happy, then you'll be one step ahead of the curve because you're doing it because you enjoy it, not for someone else. I think that's an excellent point. You said it, you said it better than I did. A- any final words you would like to say before we end this discussion? No, I mean, really, you know, if anyone in your audience ever has questions or anything and they want to ask, tell them or I'm telling them, I guess, now to feel free to reach out. I told Cameron at the beginning of this interview, I said, listen, we're basically an open book. Ask, you know. I prefer the truth, and this is it. So feel free to ask. I will be sure to put Michael's information in the podcast description so you can check him out on LinkedIn and check out his awesome company. Guys, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And don't forget to... Share what you thought about this episode on social media. Until next time, have an awesome day. Thanks, Cameron. Thanks for having me on. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button and start downloading each and every episode of our podcast. It only takes 30 seconds, and it means the absolute world to us. I hope you guys have an incredible week, and don't forget to live life 1% better each and every day. Until next time, this has been a Unscripted Startups production. Don't forget to check us out online at unscriptedstartups.com or on your favorite social media platform at Unscripted Startups.